personal life and be an actor. I actually urge you to read this book, both for its honesty and for the perception it has, really, of the past 30 years in American culture, specifically American comic culture. So I am delighted, honored, pleased to introduce to you tonight Gene Wilder. So many fads, Gene. Um, I, let's talk a little bit about the book. I was actually, um, I saw you interviewed by Katie Kirk about this book, and you told her that it was very freeing to write this book. What did you mean by that, and was it freeing? Well, when I started out, um, I didn't know if I would be able to write a book or not. And when... I was struck mostly by all the ironies in my life, the ironies, the accidental things that changed the course of my life. We all have those, and I know that, but once I got a, a hook into the ironies, the structure for the book came to me, and I was sailing along, singing a song, <laughs> writing the book. And then when I came to certain passages which were more difficult to write than others, not just Gilda, but in particular Gilda, um, talking about it and seeing things flow out of my heart more than my mind, uh, when I finished, I felt freed from some ghosts that were still inside. That makes sense. In, in, in the book, you talk a lot about demons, even to the point where you would pray before you went on stage. Well, it, it, it was a, a demon. I didn't think of it as demons, but just one. I didn't know if it was a man or a woman or an it. <laughs> but... Um, I was 18 years old, and I went to the University of Iowa. I was a freshman, and on March 21st, oddly enough, it's almost like an anniversary, um, I had this compulsion to pray. I didn't know pray for what, mm -hmm. but I felt that I needed to ask God's forgiveness for something. And I prayed for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Then... The next day or two days later, it was a half an hour, then 45 minutes, then an hour, then going into my classes and going into the building with everyone watching me. I mean, I wasn't talking out loud, but my lips were moving. And um, they must have thought I was nuts. <laughs> and I think I was. But um, when it became one hour, two hours, and three hours of praying... <laughs> I didn't look upon it as anything holy anymore. No. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't praying to God. I didn't know. Uh, I was asking forgiveness for something 
and I didn't know what it was. I found out years later, uh, after seven and a half years of analysis, <laughs> that um, what right did I have to be happy emotionally, sexually, or any other way if my mother was in pain and suffering all of her life? And, uh, you know, Freud said to someone, I forget who, uh, I could have told that young man what was wrong with him on the first day he came to my office. <laughs> but it wouldn't have done any good. He has to tell me. Right. And that's what my therapist, analyst, said, uh, you have to tell me. Well, I mean, that's what I learned from her. And eventually I got it. And then... The demons went away. The demon went away. In reading your book, you talk about uh, having to be funny for your mother. Were you always funny? Do no. you think of yourself as funny? No, no, no. I, I, um, my mother had a heart attack when I was eight years old, and this um, heavyset doctor brought her home from the hospital with my father, and he came up to me. It was summer, I guess. He was sweating a lot, and the sweat was dripping down my cheek from his face. <laughs> and he grabbed hold of my arm, and he said, Don't ever get angry with your mother, because you might kill her. <laughs> it's a nice, friendly thing to say. <laughs> Lovely. And I think that set me off on one course in life. <laughs> but the other thing he said was, Try to make her laugh. I had never tried consciously to make anyone laugh before, but I did with my mother, and, and I knew I was successful when she said, Oh, Jerry, now look what you made me do, and she ran to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and then I, I thought if I can, like most young boys, if you do something that your mother says you're good at, you start to think that you are good at that thing. And I thought I could make people laugh, and I saw... Oh, Jerry, Danny Kaye first, and Jerry Lewis, and most of all, Sid Caesar. But then um, my sister came out on, on a stage at the Wisconsin College of Music and did what was called a dramatic recital. She did Guy de Maupassant's The Necklace. Mm -hmm. And everyone was jabbering away, uh, 200 people in the audience, and, and then the lights started to dim down, and it was... Psh, 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 and then silence, a spotlight hit the center of the stage, and out came my sister, Corrine. She was four years older than me. I was 11 years old at the mm -hmm. time. And everyone shut up and listened to her and watched her. You could hear a pin drop. And I, I, I didn't frame it with these words, but I know I thought that's as close to actually being God as you can get. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and I wanted that, and I went up to her acting teacher, Herman Gottlieb, and I said, would you take me on as a student? Could I study with you? He said, how old are you? And I said, 11. He said, when you're 13, if you still want to, come back to me, and I'll start studying. You, you can start studying with me. And I, I went right the day after my 13th birthday. 
I think of you, even in, in my own introduction, as a classically trained actor. I don't think of you as a comedian, nor I see you in that, that the great tradition, even of Shakespearean clowns. And um, do, you, do you see yourself as a comedian, as an actor? Would... I, I am not a comedian. Mm -hmm. I thought for about three years there, I might want to be a comedian. And then I did my first season of Summer Stock in Poughkeepsie, New York, just outside of Poughkeepsie, and with my sister again. And then we went to see Death of a Salesman in New York City mm -hmm. with Lee J. Cobb and Mildred Dunnick. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing on stage. I thought it was actually happening, not that anyone was acting, but I knew that it, it couldn't be, but I thought that, that it's so real, um, I don't understand where's the acting part. And after that, I said, I don't want to be a comedian anymore. I want to be an actor, maybe a comic actor, but an actor. And I, I studied for about 18 years. I went to the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School, mm -hmm. and I studied with Uta Hagen, Herbert Berghoff, and then I got accepted into the actor's studio. And I feel that that's where I really learned what I, my craft, what I was looking for, which was not just how to paint the outside of a character and give a performance that would be pleasing, but to use my own feelings and loan them to the character I was playing. Mm -hmm. So that Leo Bloom was half Gene Wilder and half Leo Bloom. Right. And, um, and Lee Strasberg cleared up an awful lot of things for me. Um, he was a strange man, and I...